Yo, Drew and Dime back with another episode of Infinity Link, a Philadelphia Eagles football podcast, all Philly, everything. Go bird. Yes, sir. Now, this is the third volume of the offseason edition. We went through a brutal recap in volume one. Volume two, we recapped. No, we didn't recap. We foreshadowed what we thought was going to happen. And let's just say, I don't think any of us predicted about 10% of this list. No. (laughs) But good thing nonetheless. So episode three, post-draft edition. um, A lot of great things has happened. I guess let's just get into it. Also, let's do it. As an Eagles fan, as a football fan, we have to temper ourselves. Yes, we are returning a great team. Yes, we have added some wonderful additions. But all fans, be wary. It's hard to make it to the Super Bowl, but it's also harder to make it right back. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) I couldn't tell you the last time it's been done. I should have had that ready for the show. But, yeah, uh, I can't think, especially the team that didn't win, um, getting right back. You know, know Kansas City obviously did it, but they had won one, went back and lost. Um, You know, so it's uh, it's definitely hard to get there in the first place. It's even harder to get right back the next year. Uh, There's going to be a lot of film out on us. Uh, even more film on Sirianni and the things that we like to do, um, you know. So uh, we we by no means are saying we are Super Bowl champions, but I think we would also be remiss to say we are not absolutely excited uh, how he is crushing another offseason for us. I am. Actually, topic I didn't even write down, but it just came up because I seen it earlier today. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Gannon's interview about how he messed up, um, you know, in cahoots with the uh, Arizona Cardinals right after the NFC Championship game. Um, You can look at it from multiple angles. I'm going to look at it from a realist. Um, I don't think Jonathan Gannon was fully prepared for the game. Um, There was much more desire just to come from his position, of course. But also, our defense didn't play the greatest. I mean, they gave up more points. (laughs) No. And, I mean, I hate to say they had a bad second half. Um, You know, first half, we kind of – I mean, think about it. Going into halftime, they only had 14 points, and seven of them were off Jalen's fumble. So, I mean, they did – they held their ground in the first half. But, yeah, they they definitely wet the bed in the second half. And – you could argue whether that's adjustments, which, I mean, I think we've mentioned before on this podcast, it's not necessarily a strong suit that we saw in Jonathan Gannon throughout his couple-year tenure with the Eagles, was making adjustments um, after halftime. Um, so, But I'm not going to lay all the blame at his feet. Like you said, we just uh, defense just didn't come out and have an answer in the second half. We, we just couldn't stop him. Yes, sir. And I feel like uh, Howie, Lurie, they kind of took it light on the Cardinals. You know, they just said, you know, give us this pick and, you know, we'll make it go away. The thing like what happened to the Dolphins surely could have happened where they could have been stripped of potentially like a first-round pick. 
I don't think right. our organization wanted that to happen. Um, I'm pretty sure we like to keep good relationships with everyone, but I mean, a rule is a rule, and Howie's gonna do whatever he can to get an extra pick. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, what we said, I, I can't even remember the details of the trade. It was one of the most probably bizarre moments I've ever seen happen right before the draft kicks off. Is because what they they released that news. I want to say, and it wasn't even a full hour. Um, before the draft started when my phone dinged and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> you know, we've already made a trade and the draft hasn't even started yet. Here we go, Howie. Uh, so it was a little prelude to the night he had. Uh, I was reading some stuff today talking about um, they're trying to, to con Howie or Nick in the media into saying they're upset with Jonathan Gannon for, for how everything went down. Of course, Howie and Nick are both being A1 professionals on that. Uh, you're not going to hear a peep from them that they're upset. Even Howie today when uh, Joe DiCamera, the dude from uh, WIP, does a show with Ike Reese, or used to, I think they switched all that up now, so I'm probably misspoken there. But he had even, you know, kind of put it in Howie's mouth that, yeah, we get, you know, that you're upset with Jonathan. He was like, no, I didn't say that. Um, so they're playing it coy to the media, I think, for a couple of reasons. But, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's any secret that, I mean, not just Eagles fans. I mean, as an organization, you're preparing for what you've worked all year and a lot of people all their careers for. And your defensive coordinator, how many ever nights it was before the game, it doesn't really matter. That same week where it's big preparation, stuff being put in, taken out, things like that. And you've got your coordinator over there meeting with another team, um, worrying about himself. It takes away from what we said all year last year was the strongest point of our team is we had a bunch of we guys. Um, there wasn't a whole bunch of me on last year's team. Um, you can argue certain players here and there with moments they had. But, you know, for the most part, we had a core group of guys who uh, really cared about each other. It reminded me a lot of the year we did win the Super Bowl and the things that you would hear those guys say in the media. Um, you know, so, and, and then look how that turned out. I mean, obviously you heard nothing but good things about Wentz back then in 2017, people acted, you know, said the right things about him. You didn't hear much grumblings about he wasn't a leader, any of that stuff. You heard about all that in 2018, uh, when things started to go sour. So not at all. I don't have any, you know, doubts or regrets that any of that's going to happen with our current quarterback. It's just kind of a temperament of the team. You know, you, you hope that this, with the changes that were made throughout our roster this year, you hope that these guys create that bond. Um, and it starts right now. I don't know if you saw the video of Swift uh, embracing Jalen um, on Swift's first day there. I think they're doing OTAs and stuff right now. So, you know, that's that's very, you know, important right now is when they start building that, you know, brotherhood that camaraderie that made last year's team so special and that you just hope that you see again this year but i'll tell you right now guys you'll be able to tell in the first few weeks of the season um because we have by no means a light schedule this year even though it's not fully released we know who we're playing um so we have by no means on paper a light schedule this year uh you'll find some things out pretty early in the season i have a feeling about this eagles team and and where what they can and can't be Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So going into one of the first topics, we want to go ahead and recap the draft. Just start with round one. We moved up one pick. We gave away a fourth round, basically a comp pick, to move up one spot and select 
Jalen Carter, 6'3", 320. Actually, we don't care how much you weigh, just as long as you're in shape. Right. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, and wasn't it wasn't it funny that like I mean they announced Robinson Bajan got picked, and I want to say it wasn't even a full minute later, and pop, Eagles have made a trade. Like I think that I think honestly, you know, if you want to speculate or whatever about what our move was going to be, I think that was a I think he was number one on our board. Um, of course, you know, I don't know that any draft pictures of the board have been released or anything like that or leaked out, but I would, I would be tempted to say that Robinson was number one. And as soon as he got picked rather than end up trading back, which is, you know, if apparently from the rumors I've heard, the bears had multiple offers to move up to that pick people that who were trying to move up to get Jalen Carter, um, you know, the bears obviously have somewhat of a decent relationship with the Eagles throughout the history. So, um, you know, they probably called Howie and said, look, you want him, you know, now's the chance. And, you know, we moved up to get him. I'm not at all upset with what we gave up to get him. I'm what was it? A fourth rounder, um, next year. So it wasn't, it wasn't even a pick this year besides our first rounder that they got. So good move by Howie. Typical Eagles, man. Kind of what we all knew. You know, they we we build in the trenches. We do that a lot through the draft. That's historically where we've um, had our most success as far as a team goes. So, you know, I think they made the right move. I think there will be a lot of guys around Jalen um, that will help him be the best version of himself. Um, you know, there's been some stuff that's come out after the draft, and thankfully they held it till after the draft. That's actually a pretty respectable thing a couple of these reporters did instead of allowing his stock to potentially drop even more. But apparently the Georgia coaches didn't have a whole lot of great things to say um, as far as Jalen Carter went, which I kind of find that hard to believe with the connection that we obviously have with Georgia staff um, and inner working. So, uh, like I said, I think with what we have around him as far as the veteran leadership and then his, including his Georgia teammates, I think there will be enough that Jalen Carter will be a star and as uh, the Fleck Chicoxes and uh, Brandon Grahams of the world start to mold into their life after football, I believe that uh, both of our first-round draft picks will be somebody that will step in and quickly help us forget, uh, or not forget, but quickly help us transition into the new era of the Eagles defense. Uh, yeah, for sure. And um, a great thing that we did with, like, uh, going back to Jalen Carter, we did a lot of due diligence on it. Um, like Lurie even had like our chief security officer, Dom DeSandro, look into him. And apparently he's well respected around the league and has, of course, a lot of connections um, in that area. Once he gave him yeah. the thumbs up, Lurie and Howie was just pretty much locked in with it. Um, he's been with us for six years, and Lurie, that's literally another one of his right-hand men, right, probably. Right. They trust Dom a lot um, from the way I understand it. He's he's kind of done that, like you just said, with the thumbs up. He's kind of thumbs up that for a few players that we have on our roster that maybe people weren't quite sure whether or not that we were going to look into them. Yeah, and, like, think about having somebody like that when you're going through the draft. This is probably not even a guy you probably even really look 
for most teams, they probably look to for an answer like, hey, should we draft this guy? Um, but, yeah, just All the right. connection he has with Lurie, the trust he has with inside the organization, him giving that ultimate thumbs up. And um, Sirianni and Howie had to defend this pick because, of course, this guy brought up pretty much immediately after Jalen Carter was drafted. Oh, that was disgusting, man. And it was our – I mean – like, look, man, Ruben Frank, I'm sure you're probably, you know, not an avid listener. But if you do happen to catch on to this, man, I am a longtime uh, follower of yours. You've been a lot and done a lot as far as the media's part goes. But, man, it, like Howie and, and them, and I know you had a job to do, man, but to sit there on that kid's most special day of his life and to try to tear him down and tear his character down, um, by how he responded to questions. Man, you were just out of line there, man. And uh, instead of going on the little blocking spree that you went on on Twitter, man, just, you know, realize that, hey, everybody makes mistakes sometimes, my guy. So, yeah, I, it absolutely – I couldn't – sorry to cut you off there, my boy, but I couldn't let that slide. It was absolutely disgusting what i seen them do. Um, you know, that man's obviously been to court, and he's involved in a pending investigation and legal situation. And for you to get him to – expect him to get up there while he was already very emotional and uh, just absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know what you want for him. You wanted a big, I'm sorry, you know, and then if you would have given that, you'd have tore him apart for that. So come on guys, let's be for real. And let's not tear the rookie up and make him hate Philadelphia before he even gets there. Yes, sir. And also I kind of misspoke on uh, Dom DeSandro. He is entering like his 24th season. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought he had been with the organization quite a while. Yeah, so just to give a little backlight on him, he oversees all safety and security matters for players, coaches, and executives. He also directs security at the team's training complex or is, is responsible for security measures related to team travel and logistics and provides education on the NFL's personal conduct policy. So big shout out to him. Um, like I said, normally you don't even hear about people like this inside of a football team's organization or any professional. No. Or and I think if you – I'd have to dig further into his backstory. Maybe you have it pulled up there. I, I mean, obviously he didn't get that job right away. I'm pretty sure, like, he came on when Lurie bought the team um, or maybe shortly after. Um, but, you know, he, he's he been, like you said, right-hand man, something you don't see in every organization. Um, he's a lot of a story like Howie that, you know, kind of been around the long organization for a very long time, very good relationship with the owner. And that I think is also what helps promote that family brand, you know, that, you know, we're a family. And then like I mentioned how crucial that was to our success this year. I don't see us losing that like we did before, because I think the face of our franchise um is commands that and like i said came in as a rookie and commanded respect that the veterans have given him so you know not worried about that sliding but it really does i mean from mr Lurie to howie to dom to now nick i mean it's just it's great to see that in an organization because obviously that's one of a kind you don't get that kind of cohesion from the top to the bottom that it seems that ours has yes sir and I was just able to dig up a kind of interesting fact about Dom, too. Uh, once upon a time, he sat in an SUV outside of formerly Eagles Evan Mathis's house while his then wife was in labor. Mathis, of course, was a former All-Pro left guard. He had a flight to catch back in 2014 ahead of a team's game the following day, but he wanted to be present for the birth of his second daughter. 
So, yeah, the guy is apparently always around. <laughs> yeah, A1. And, I mean, dude, from what, from what you hear about the people who have worked with him, and, I mean, he's like the player's right-hand man as well. So, like, you know, just like you mentioned, your wife's getting ready to have birth. You're trying to be there for the birth of your child. Um, and you got a plane to catch while Big Dom's sitting outside your house waiting for everything to go down so that you can catch a plane. You know, it just speaks to, you know, what kind of a guy he is to, to you know, do that, um, uh, you know. And I'm sure by now he's probably paid very handsomely. But, I mean, just think a, pro- a job like that is not your glamour and glitzier job of the NFL. You're not a multimillionaire, you wouldn't think. But, you know, I'm sure obviously for doing what he does, the Eagles take very good care of him. Yes, sir. So going on to, like, our next pick, um, which is crazy, we got Nolan Smith at 30. In the first round? Yeah, because there was only 31 picks because of the Dolphins. Yep. Sorry for him, but uh, appreciate it. (laughs) But he was like the third edge off the board. Right. And I was like, I'm glad he fell to us. I was very happy about it. Um, Right. And, yeah, just adding to Georgia North, man, you know, Right. I hope we could rebuild right. that defense that they um had. Um, of course, going to Georgia back to back championships <laughs> and just drafting guys who not only played with each other, um, you know, come from the same like philosophies, the same cultures. It kind of makes it easy for them, um, because not only they've have brothers that they've probably played with again in uh right. you know uh Kobe and um Jordan Davis. It's just nice having some familiarity coming in as a rookie. Exactly. That you've already went to war with and throwing your body on the line for. So defensive line definitely was a focal point for us. And I believe we hit big. Um, I couldn't want anything more out of that first round. Um, of course, I was a huge stake in for another player that went a pick before us. But I love how it played out. Um, and honestly, yeah. I- wouldn't want to hit another way the way the west of the, the way the rest of the draft played out right the way the way it all fell out and you know what man like i think i remember texting you after round one and saying like i don't see how he's making a lot of moves uh in day two and in three and boy was not wrong uh you know i thought obviously after our what was it i think our second or third round pick at, at the time we made the pick we didn't have any more picks until the seventh round. And we had like what, three or four in the seventh round that we were supposed to have. And I think that's when I told you, I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and turn this off and relax and get into something else. Cause we ain't about to do nothing for a while. And sure enough, I think it wasn't too long after I put my phone down and quit paying attention. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Everything started going off. So how was definitely at the wheel again. Um, doing what now he is becoming known for in in the draft, uh, which is great because think about it, guys. Three years ago, he wasn't necessarily known as somebody who made his team better through the draft. He kept uh, he had a decent list of misses um, that he had done as well. So, you know, shout out to Howie. We gave him his flowers last episode, so we don't want to do too much for him right now. But man, he just keep killing it, man. You know, you proved all of us wrong. Yes, sir. Going to the third round, we had back-to-back picks, which was awesome, thanks to some, you know, trading back, trading around. First pick in um, round three, well, it was pick two, but round three, first pick for us, we took 
Tyler Steen out of Alabama. Um, offensive tackle. He is now, you know, moved on and graduated from college, and he's now on a full ride scholarship to Stalin University. Um, yeah. The way Stalin man, talks about the same prospect. Which, Go ahead, my bad. No, I just it, it, like if you listen, obviously you pay attention to people who do the draft grades and things like that. That this was by grade by far the Eagles' worst pick of the draft. But everything you're alluding to right now is exactly why it'll be a good pick. So my bad for cutting you off. Continue, brother. I know you were going with the uh, school that my boy Stein is now going to. Yes, sir. And the way that you always hear Stalin talk about certain prospects, how he's even talked about it. Um, on a podcast with the Kelsey uh, brothers, he was like, he pulls Howie to the side. I was like, hey, man, look at this. Do you see what he did there? You see, what, like, Stalin gets obsessed and loves what he does. I'm glad he's with us. Um, during his lone season at Alabama, Steen only allowed two sacks on 469 pass blocks. Uh, wow. Snaps played in 2022, but he didn't face the Bulldogs as a member of the Crimson Tide. So, who cares? But there's going to be a rivalry going on there. Of course, we drafted those guys from Georgia in the first round. We got a tackle who projects to be a guard in the third round from Alabama. So, I'm going to love how that You might as well just call us SEC East, bro. (laughs) And and I love it, man. It goes to speak of – and I heard that. And I think Howie, after a couple of draft misses – um, really dug into that championship pedigree. Uh, there's an it factor we're looking for with the guys that we're drafting now. And if you show them that, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that if you show them you're lackadaisical, which kind of makes me, you know, with the info that's out on Jalen Carter, which kind of makes me, you know, he doesn't necessarily fit in the mold. Besides, he's a championship player. He does have that championship pedigree. So obviously the work ethic and stuff can be there. And I don't think they really have as many concerns. I'm not comparing these two as players, um, but it's more of the situation they had. If you remember back when we were young, um, Warren Sapp, when he got drafted, there was just a lot of negative info that came out uh, the months leading up to the draft. He was like the fourth rated player in the draft and he dropped all the way to like 12. Uh, to Tampa, and then obviously you saw how that worked out. So, I mean, I, there's cases for it both ways. There's cases of guys dropping, and it was for good reason. But then you have the cases, you know, um, you know, like Warren Sapp and many others where, you know, they fell. And for whatever reason, whether it was character concerns or this or that, you know, they fell, and the team that they fell to ended up looking like the smartest person in the draft. So, we're hoping that's the that's the situation we're in. Um, and I hope we'll see. Yes, sir. And so our next pick, we got Sidney Brown out of Illinois. I was big on this guy. He was like, oh, he's just a box safety. I was like, no, that's just kind of what Illinois wanted him to do. He was best there. It doesn't mean you can't do other things. But guy's a ball hawk. We don't have to worry about him in run support. Um no. He reminds me of Epps. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's solid. And, like, when you – I think it was you who sent me that film on him. He he reminds me on that film of what Epps turned into. You know, Epps came in. I don't think he was as highly drafted or anything like that. But 
he was a player and, and the Eagles love that. And I think I said that to you when I mentioned that, you know, that's the MO on him about him being a box player, yeah. you know, um, is that we love box players. You know, the Eagles love a guy. I mean, look at CJ last year, look at Reed when he filled in, I mean, and Reed's still there now. Those yeah. are guys that can go in and go into the line of scrimmage um, and put a lick on your running back, you know, or, or your quarterback. Go, go a little back. Like, I mean, we love, we know Malcolm Jenkins can play more than the box, but he was an honorary yeah. linebacker for yep. like we had him playing on our team. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. He played slot linebacker plenty. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you can go back even further. Doc was a monster. In, in that box and the hits that he laid on people. Now he was just an all around beast. So it's hard to label him, you know, as, but man, that was probably what I remember him doing best is coming down in the run game and laying just wood to people and him and Trotter and the boys, the way they used to fly around, man, man, don't get me started. I'll sit here and talk for the rest of the podcast about that Jim Johnson defense, RIP to Jim and uh man, hopefully, Hopefully we got us one in Mr. Brown. I really wanted I wouldn't Jair, the kid out of Penn State. Um and but he fell, you know. I, there was teams that I thought would take him right after us. And nope, he fell to later in the round. I think the Niners got him, which well, I guess well, we're gonna end up seeing how good he is. Yeah. And um interesting backstory on um Sidney Brown, our new safety that we selected in the third round. He actually had a twin brother who was drafted in his draft as well. Chase Brown, both of them went to Illinois. So I know this mom is very proud. Mom and pop's family is completely proud of these guys. Twin brothers drafted in the same class. His brother, Chase Brown, was the running back at um, Illinois. And uh, he went a couple rounds later to Cincinnati. So they both went to some pretty good teams and wish both of them the best. But, of course, as an Eagles fan, I hope we got the better twin. (laughs) Facts, bro. Facts. Yes, sir. Moving on with the draft. Fourth round. Um, I don't even remember if this is a pick we had, but we ended up getting Kylie Ringo. Is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah, Kylie. Or, or see, uh, yeah, I, see, I got to back up because, see, I, I called him Kylie. I've heard it a few times, so I don't know if it is Kylie or if it is Kylie, I believe, like you're saying. Yeah. But, yeah, there's another another dog. Uh for us and I mean that's one that I would say if you would have told me last year um, heading into this college football season that his stock was going to drop like that I would have laughed at you I mean he was easily and even through most of the football season viewed as a first round draft pick Um, one of the top corners that was supposed to go off the board now I don't know exactly what happened I think his lack of big plays and things like that. And probably, I mean, think about it. Look at the, look at the defense he played on. So it's, it's real easy to get lost. Uh, you know, that Georgia line was a beast. Their linebackers were beasts. So, you know, um, I think we got us a good one there, man. I don't know how much safety he can play and our quarterback room is really full. So it'll be interesting to see how we come out of camp and how many corners we keep. Yes, sir. I was happy with it. Um, I don't know if it was character issues or whatever, uh, medical issues or whatever it may be. I'm glad he fell to us. Um, seems like the type of DB that decide will want, you know, pretty tall cornerback, um, can play physical. So yeah, I'm happy to see what the is going to do with these pieces that he was been loaded up with in the draft. 
Um, not to fast forward too much in the draft because I'm already in round four. In round three, something crazy also happened, and we ended up with Mr. DeAndre Swift. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, look, I think we're going to have to go back to the last pod and maybe edit that part out, but I think me and you were pretty adamant on us not looking at him, uh, our last podcast. But, I will uh, say I will back up on my claim because what we gave up for him a 2025 draft pick. I'm super happy with it. I it was not that I didn't want him. I would say even though I was pretty adamant on that, it was that I preferred another piece that went earlier in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 had our hearts set on Bajan. Um, of course, hey, Atlanta, good luck to y'all. I have a bad feeling that offensive line is going to make him and Ritter's career a little shorter, but I've not been wrong before, so we'll deal with that as it comes. Um, but I, I'm actually really excited about this move, man. I think maybe I have to backtrack a little bit on – I can't remember exactly what was said on the last pod, but I think I had a few negative things to say as far as our interest in him. Uh, biggest concern for me, obviously, is health. So we have two running backs right now that, if they stay healthy, could have, with our offensive line, really good years. And I really like the depth that we have at the running back position. I mean, Boston Scott's almost a forgotten afterthought besides to us fans who, you know, have loved Boston for four years now, five years now, however long it is. Um, so I – but I'm really – I mean, if – Swift can stay healthy, and the thought with this is is that he won't have to have so much of a load as he did before um, in Detroit. And last year, of course, he got his job took by Jamal Williams. But, you know, um, he is not only the the speed. He reminds me a lot of Miles from that area where they're, they're bouncy, they can cut quick, and once they hit that hole and get gone, like, you're not catching them. But what I really, really like about Swift especially in our RPA, RPO game, is that that man can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, I can't remember. I was looking at his stats for his career, but he is um, very sure-handed when he's coming out of the backfield. If there was anything you could knock Miles on, um, besides sometimes when he whiffed in the blocking game, um, you know, what Miles' big knock was is he did drop some some pretty open balls. Um, so, I'm really excited about Swift, man. We gave up basically nothing to get this guy in an Eagles uniform. He's on the last year of his contract. And once again, Howie Roseman is working a situation where he loves it. He loves to get these players that have something to prove. You know, if if DeAndre Swift wants to get paid, he's got something to prove this year. Um, Rashad Penny, this is his last stand. If he can't make it here and he gets hurt and is out again, he's probably out of the league. You know, and then you've got a young Kenny Gainwell who you're probably making even hungrier because here you thought with miles out of town, he he was about to be the lead dog and that's obviously not coming, not going to happen. I mean, I could be mistaken. He could come kill it in camp and you never know. This could feel Kenny to become the lead back that we were hoping he could be, Um, you know, so I love our running back room. Uh, I love it even more than before the draft. Yes. I would have loved to have Bajan a little bit more, Um, but Hey man, I, if you told me this was a consolation, I would have told you to sign me up. So here we go. Yeah. And he's certainly productive. Um, another actually hometown kid formerly went to, he was a star over at St. Jo- uh, Joe's Prep. 
and Mount Airy. Um, you know, he just happened to file a lot of favor over there in um, Detroit, which also kind of makes me scratch my head because one of our guys is over there in Deuce Staley. And, of course, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, pretty familiar with the running back position, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, Was over there. You know he's in Carolina now, right? Yeah, right. He's okay, in Carolina. Okay. But, but last year, yeah, last year he was there when he fell out of favor. So yeah, um, I'm pretty sure Swift play and his time of availability was kind of hindered to some uncertainties that was going on there. Um, I'm happy he's here. I mean, last year he had a career high in yards per carry. He averaged over five and a half last season, and according to PFF, um, he reeled off rushes of 15 plus yards on 40% of his carries with Detroit. He killed us. That's all I remember. Oh, yeah, that was the opening game, and that was, whew. He he is what led to us realizing what – I mean, it was a foreshadowing to the run defense problems that we had um, throughout the year last year. Man, that – and like I said, when he hit a couple of those holes, man – he left everybody in the dust. There wasn't, you know, I, there was kind of, I think what he ran for one or two touchdowns in the game. He definitely had over a hundred yards rushing. Um, and he just, I mean, he flat out balled. And I think a lot of that is probably why you see him as an Eagle right now is, uh, you know, apparently Detroit has deti- decided to completely revamp their running back room with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, who by the way, was like the biggest surprise for me as far as how, High up, he moved. You heard about him as possible end of round one, but most people assumed he was a very early round two pick um, or very late. You know, Max high side would have been late first round, which is where we were hoping to grab him at. Um, and to see him go, what was it, 12th um, to Detroit? That kind of, I remember, I think I texted you when that happened. I was like, wow, didn't expect somebody to jump up that high to get him. So, you know, but by no means, I think Detroit had a solid draft as well. I think he's going to be a solid player. And, you know, maybe it's going to be our game that Detroit decided to move in a different direction in that running back room. But he clearly became the odd man out with uh, once Jameer Gibbs got drafted. And I'd yeah. love to see how he pounced on it. Stars at crucial positions because I definitely will say Swift is a star and he has the potential to be a lot more um, – not just saying this because he's with the Eagles, but the man has a load of talent. He does everything that you want from a running back. Want him to stay on the field. He's behind a great offensive line. That RPO between him and Jalen Hurts is going to be pretty much pick your poison. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in he, the workload. Yes, sir. You know, he, he's not going to have a big workload. I mean, in Detroit, especially earlier in his career, he was getting a lot of carries a game. Um, that's one of the reasons, and, and you've heard, and I think I mentioned it on the last pod, that's one of the reasons a player like him or a player like Dijon early in his career is a perfect fit for us because mm-hmm. we are not – man, I couldn't tell you, maybe since uh, Brian Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy days, can I remember one running back getting like 25-plus carries in a game for the Eagles? Mm-hmm. Um, it has always been, especially as we've progressed, um, out of those days, it's always, I mean, even when we had LeGarrette Blunt, we had Jay Ajayi, um, Corey, or not Corel Buckhalter, that was predated him, Corey Clement. Um, yeah, I mean, heck, he got a couple touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Um, Corey Clement will live in Eagles infamy forever for that. 
Um, you know, it's, it's, so it just seems we've liked that. We've liked to have the flexibility of that and the running back position. What I like the most about Swift is he's got some bulk to him too. So he's not just a, you know, straight line runner. He's a, if he gets his pads lowered, he can knock you on your behind as well. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited for our running back room. This is probably one of the more talented ones we've had in a while at the running back position. And, man, like, I, I just love saying that about our offense. I feel like our wide receiver room and our running back room is probably could go up with some of the most talented we've had in history. Now, I absolutely will not put our running back room over um, when the end of Brian Westbrook's career, when we first picked up Shady and we had them as fire and ice. Um, that was probably one of the top five running back rooms that we've had. But I, I do like the um, complexity of this one. You got – Swift, who's a little bit of both um, and can catch the ball in the backfield. you got Penny, who is a bruiser. Uh, he's a load to bring down. And then you've got Kenny, who, you know, once the other two have worn you out, Kenny's going to come rip off five or six yards of carry for you. And he's very capable of catching something out of the backfield and going to the house, too. And then you have, I mean, and he almost gets left out. And then you have Boston Scott. You know, he's a wiggle worm, man. You can't get him on the ground. Uh, you know, quick, shifty gets in and out of the holes, hits the gaps perfectly. Um, the whole lot of the reason why he'd get some playing time over Miles Sanders is when the Eagles would get frustrated for Miles trying to bounce out for the big game instead of just hitting the hole and getting what he could. Um, so, you know, like I said, man, I'm not going to waste too much more time, but I'm very excited about this running back room. Yes, sir. And before we take a quick break, just a little bit more on Swift. Um, only once in his career has he had a game with more than 16 carries in a single game. For his career, he's boasted 25 total touchdowns and an average of 4.6 yards per carry. And what I'm very proud about is he averages for his career 7.7 yards per reception. So his presence in the backfield should only further, of course, Jalen Hurts' effectiveness and a run-pass option. And uh, Mr. Brian Johnson, I hope I can see some packages where, you know, we have two backfield, uh, two running backs in the backfield and a shotgun, whether any on the opposite side. But I'd love to see him and Kenny G in the backfield at the same time and someone just kind of pick what they're going to do because they have the same talents. Swift is obviously more talented, but no knock on Kenny G, of course. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. Yeah, let me throw one word at you real quick. Triple read options. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, God, man. Okay, go, we got to go to break, man, before they cut us off. All right, we'll be right back, yo. Welcome back to the Infinity Link podcast. Uh, this is your host, Drew, and my boy, Don, coming at you today with all things Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to jump right back into it, guys. In the first half of our, reca- our episode, we were recapping a lot of the draft. Um, we left it off with a word that I left y'all with, triple read option. Man, can you imagine, let's just say, Put Swift on one side, Penny on the other, which you can use him either way to hand him off or use him as a fullback, but then also have the threat, not only with Jalen there, but to pull it out and throw the ball to A.J., Devontae, or Dallas. I mean, you are really making our offense, um, you know, like we said it at nauseum last year, a steak buffet. You can get it your way however you want it, your favorite steakhouse, whatever you want to have. You know, and, and I, I feel like we haven't taken much of a step back on defense. I think a lot of other people have their opinions on that. But, 
man, I, I think the sky's the limit for us this year. It's how well can the team gel? Will they get that brotherhood that we see is obviously needed to win a Super Bowl? You ain't got to like each other, man, but it makes it a lot easier when you don't want to let the man behind you down. You hear all of them say all the time they don't want to let Jalen Hurts down. They don't want to let Nick Sirianni down. Now you're hearing players from other teams talking about how they think we'd be a good place to play. Uh, I don't think we're by no means done this offseason. I think Howie's got another trick or two up his sleeve. We still have a lot of draft picks next year uh, and then in the next two years. So uh, very exciting, man. But I'm I'm getting long-winded on this. Let me bring Don back in. Yeah, man. A lot to be excited about. Just to push forward in the draft, uh, how he adds to his quarterback factory. Uh, we have Matt <laughs> as the backup. And we have uh, Tanner McKee, in which we drafted in round six at pick 11. Uh, wasn't too familiar with him. This is actually the only nah. person I wasn't familiar with overall that we drafted. That we got, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and when I looked it up, man, what is Howie's obsession, man? I think I texted it to you. I said, this is exactly the mold, the quarterback that he, like, I don't know what his little obsession was. He likes these white dudes from these colleges who have a little bit of athleticism to them. But I, I'm just going to be all the way real about the Tanner McKee pick. I feel about the same way as I did when we signed Carson Strong as an undrafted free agent. Um, and I can't now I cannot remember the kid that he drafted uh, a year or two before that um, with that late round pick that kind of fit this same mold as well that wasn't on the roster after training camp. So McKee's got an uphill battle. If they really like him, they'll find a way to keep him on the practice squad. But I think we're set at the quarterback position. This is just like you said, this is how he's fantasy that he's going to get a Tom Brady type quarterback out of a late round draft pick. So I think he goes fishing there every year, and that was probably the only pick that he, we made that I just shook my head at and just laughed at Howie. Yeah, man. Kid comes from Stanford, 6'6", 230 pounds, strong arm, mostly a pocket passer. But said he, uh, his processing skills was pretty good, so I'll see what it comes from it. Never know. Yeah. Um, Nothing else. It's a camp arm, man. <laughs> yes, sir. I just wish he'd quit wasting draft picks on camp arms. Because I mean, I I'm not going to sit here and act like that. I know that there was so many great players still available um, at that round. So you know, maybe that was with the, how the draft board fell. Maybe that was the best available player. I do feel like uh, you know a lot of teams draft for needs, um, and I'm touched on this a little bit our last show as well. We really were in a position where, yeah, we had some needs. I'm not going to act like we didn't have some holes to fill. There's not some players getting older that are on our roster, et cetera. But for the most part, I feel like he just went with whoever was highest on their draft board when the pick came up. It didn't really matter what position it was. And, you know, this quarterback pick could technically fall into it. Maybe he was the highest rated player on the draft board when we came up to draft. But yeah, like I said, I, I'd be shocked if the guy makes it out of camp on the roster um, or even on the practice squad because we don't even seem to like to put a quarterback on the practice squad anymore. I thought Carson Strong would get on there last year, but nope. Yeah, and as you mentioned, like, how he just drafted from, like, possibly the top of his board. The last pick, uh, round seven, pick 32, last pick for us, we selected the defensive tackle, uh, Moral Ojomo, um out of Texas. Love that pick. Love that pick. Yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, 
how he added three people to the defensive line. I mean, that's still, you know, it was still scary with everything that did leave mm-hmm. uh, with Hargrave, um, you know, the linebackers included. We had some players exit and we had some players come back, uh, some players come into newly being a Philadelphia Eagle. And I'm kind of liking the picks um, and the swaps mm-hmm. out. We're getting younger. Um, we're adding yep. people who's familiar with each other. We're drafting all the Georgia players. Heck, the Alabama boys, we got, what, at least three on offense. We got Hurts, mm-hmm. Dickerson, and uh, De- Devontae. Yeah, yeah, Devontae. So, I mean, SEC, these kids probably, you know, played against each other. Of course, obviously, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah. But um, these kids possibly took, like, recruiting visits to college together or attended a lot of right. growing up together. Jay, so, like, Jalen and A.J. Cool. Brown. You know, Jalen was trying to recruit A.J. And so, and, and that's, I mean, and for playing in the same conference, you get familiar with these guys. And let's face it, the game has changed. It's not that there's an all-out war and bad blood between these guys. Um you know, and that there's going to be – it'll be more of a bragging rights thing in the locker room for when Bama does good compared to when Georgia does good or et cetera like that. Um, but, you know, it's it – back again to that championship pedigree. We are getting players um, from the highest conference in land. I think, you know, what, minus uh, the quarterback and then, of course, the Texas kid – so a lot of our late round picks maybe weren't SEC guys, but but the majority besides uh, Brown out of Illinois, the majority of our top picks for the past couple of years have either been Alabama, Georgia, or, or an SEC school. Yeah, and we're drafting guys that are testing like at elite levels. Like, yeah, Alan Carter shouldn't move that fast. Um, Nolan Smith is an edge that ran a four three. Yes, he's a little small, but. He's not an edge. He's a linebacker, but he's probably going to play edge. Right. Um, oh, yeah. A 4 3 linebacker, like this stuff used to be like unheard of. Like an edge, right. like this, a guy coming down on you. Oh, yeah, he's small, but yeah, who's going to be? But those were the dudes we were making in Madden or making on the college football was in our recruiting class. You know, that's uh, <laughs> the kind of stuff we saw then. You know, you don't, not supposed to see big dudes that move like they do. And then, you know, you've got Nolan Smith who, I think you've perfectly compared to a baby Hassan Reddick. Uh, a lot of folks don't remember when Hassan came into the league, he was not uh, oversized, and he's still not. You know, he's not somebody that you would consider a big dude, but, man, you know that man can get to the quarterback. So hey, you ain't always got to be big to get home. And uh, I love the fact that we just seem to get younger in key positions. Um Nice to see us drafting some linebackers with a little higher picks. You know, that's not something we're used to doing. So now between Nicobe and and uh, Nolan, we're showing that we're willing to at least put some depth into that running back, or uh, linebacker spot. And do I think that he'll line up as far as Nolan goes at linebacker a lot? No. But when I went back and watched some film on him, Nolan doesn't have bad hands, and he's got good coverage skills. Um, and he proved he that a lot three, at Georgia. Even if he messes right. up, of course. <laughs> right. I mean, he's got – and I just – and I watched some film on, especially when him and N'Kobe were together, and the plays that one would create for the other, whether it was N'Kobe getting in there and getting after the quarterback. I'm pretty sure I saw one where N'Kobe jumped up at the line and tipped the ball, 
And Nolan, with that speed, went back about five, six yards and picked that ball off. Um, so these guys playing together, having that – you don't have to get that chemistry with these guys. And I think that's the biggest part that people are missing about bringing these guys together is, yes, it's going to be a little bit different of a system. Yes, the NFL is a step up from the NCAA. Obviously, the speed's going to get a little faster. Um, but like you said, 4-3 speed is 4-3 speed, man. So, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of receivers out there, you know, that are all running 4-3s unless you're talking about Tyreek and Quez and a few other ones that can run sub 4-3s. But, you know, man, it's uh, speed's an underrated thing. I think we've added a lot of that throughout the years um, and just getting younger at these key positions in the next crop. You can just you can see it. They are grooming the next crop of Philadelphia Eagles and they are trying to set us up if this all works out correctly for sustained success. We're not going to have that big drop off that most NFL teams have. They're trying to set up a Patriots model without being the hard-ass coach and the franchise that does the things that the Patriots do, they're going after a sustained success model and not just trying to win this year and next year, but for the next five years, the next six years, um, to where it'll feel a lot like the Andy Reid days, except for I feel like, and I think I've mentioned this before, this is a new and improved version, and we're going to get ships out of this one. And I'm not talking about just one. I'm not going to go on my LeBron rant and do the not two, not three. But I can definitely see as long as the hierarchy stays the same and there's no big fallout that we've seen happen before, I can seriously team, see this team at least running off a couple, like two ships over the next five years. I sure hope so, man. And again, on the camaraderie and like the familiarity with like a lot of players, like again, like the Georgia Alabama players, uh, how many times they've probably played each other in the SEC chip. When you have like those championship games or like bowl games, like teams spend a lot of time together, believe it or not. Um, opposing teams, like they're playing games, you know, they're doing like friendly composition competitions all week long. Yep. Yeah, it was like just think of it as a boards game version of uh, what they used to call it field day when you were back in school. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And it's like you said, it's fun. It gets them a chance. And, and, and let's face it, with the way that things have changed as far as our sports dynamic goes, these guys are already familiar with each other. They've been at the top 100 camps together. They've been you know, dormant in the same room over at a, you know, college camp um, that's held specifically for invitees only where they invite the best players to come to these camps um, and showcase for these scouts. So they already have a lot of familiarity and events like that. I mean, I think that's why you see what you see. There's not a lot of true hatred for each other. It's truly become more of an NFL brotherhood. Um, you don't see a lot of players that just flat out despise one another anymore. Yes, sir. And I think having that camaraderie, familiarity, it makes easier, like, when you got your brother literally on the field with you, a guy you played with for, like, three years in college, now you're on the same path together. Pick you up, like, hey, man, get him on the next play. It's like you're somewhere you're familiar with. Like, you got that trust already. You've already been around each other, and you've already thrown your body on the line for these players. So, I love it. Um, And it's the familiarity. Same thing with any other sport. You know like one of the, in basketball, one of the best things as a point guard is knowing where your people are going to be on the floor, knowing where the best place for success for a shot is for certain players and things like that. You know all these things about them because you've been with them for so long. You don't have to guess 
if I hit this gap, are they going to hit the gap right behind me? Or are they going to go run over into a different gap and screw the whole play up? Like, you know, you know what they're going to do. You know their instincts. You know how they work and how they move. <laughs> and it's just, it, 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 it's nothing more that can help, you know, the, the, to make things easier, to make that transition to the NFL a lot smoother. Now, I'll tell you what, we come out and have the worst defense in the world this year, the worst defense in the league, and they're going to clown the hell out of us for all the Georgia players that we went and got. True, true, and, true, and true. Hold on. What I'm the defense is going to come out better than the offense. I think so. I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Let me off chance that they this falls flat on its face. I'm an insurance agent, dog. You know I work in worst case scenario. <laughs> so worst case scenario, this falls flat on our face. Christ they're going to make fun of us for that. <laughs> I, do I, now? Do I see it happening? Do I? Do I think that happens? No. I think there's too many veterans on this defense. Um, you know, you got Slay, you got Cox, you got BG, uh, you got Josh Sweat is now stepping into that veteran role. Um, you know, and and, and you, we forget he keeps getting left out. You know, and I've seen everybody talking about our pass rushers. Derek Barnett is still getting left out. Like he's still under contract. Who better than to sit around? You miss a year like last year, so that already makes you mad. You've got something to prove there. You miss a shot at another title. You know, he could come back hungry and be the player that we thought he was going to be when we drafted him. Uh, I know that you haven't given up on him, so, you know, but, hey, man, what, 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 we're drafting players all around you, so show up or you're not going to be here. He's got one more year. And another reason I was alluding to our defense not going to come out flat is our corners and our safeties shouldn't have to cover very long. Our defensive tackle room alone, listen to me, Drew, our defensive tackle room alone, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, who I'm expecting a huge year from. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Marlon Tui Poilatu, I do remember him from last year. Sean Sparks. Tavisu Street. But that's just the defensive tackle group. We haven't even – I didn't even discuss the edge of BG, Derek Barnett being back, Hassan Reddick rushing off the edge. No, our defense is not going to come out flat. Our no. corners shouldn't have to cover very long. So that should make for slim pickings for Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, whoever else is out there. And, again, I'm a huge fan of Ed Reed Blankenship. We're going – right. With the nickname Drew is there. <laughs> it's there. We can't. We can't take it back now, man. We can't take it back now. Yeah, man. Uh, Hopefully, he doesn't turn into a. But I mean, he's already. You know, you don't want to see him turn into a Alex Singleton or a. Um, oh God, I see. It's been so bad. I forgot his name now. Uh, the other line, Nate Gary, that probably just had made people have a heart attack hearing that name again. Um, but yeah, it's. I could very, I could, I really see with what we did, and as far as the draft goes, so let's let's not make no qualms about the offseason's not over yet, guys. We can still make moves. There's still some players out there. There's still some players that will be cut, um, and you have that when you go into camp as well. You know that always happens. A couple players that you wouldn't think were going to get cut are going to get cut, and so what we've already done, I just see that our defense. 
and I've heard this said more than once, I think our defense might be even better than it was last year. Drew. Um, and we had a top 10 defense. For you. I just listed the defensive tackle room. Let's talk about the cornerback room, which we already texted about. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Our cornerback room is the most exciting I've seen in years, and it's full of potential. Um, I haven't been this happy about our cornerback room in quite some time. This is just a Troy Vincent and Sheldon Brown, man. That's <laughs> the last time I've been this hype about it. And think about how far ago that was. Yeah, man. And we got our starters returning, Slay, Bradbury, and Maddox. Um, we added some picks. We got Ringo. We got an undrafted free agent, Eli Ricks, who I'm terribly high on. Matches something mm-hmm. that wants to do. Big linebacker. Uh, big cornerback, I'm sorry. Tall. Uh, we we signed Greedy Williams this offseason from formerly with the Browns. And, Love that signing. Another yeah. prove-it player. Filling up that defense with prove-it players. It's worked before, Howie. I love it. And then the ones I'm ultimately not too sure about, but they're there. We still got McPherson, Josh Job, and Mario Goodrich. So these guys are fighting for their lives right now. And I wish- Oh, yeah. Jo- Job, and, and this is McPherson's notice. Like, hey, dude, we used a pretty decent high pick on him. I still – that was one of the last players when Howie drafted him. I was like, what the – because I can't remember. I, I don't think Asante Samuel Jr. was still out there when we made that pick, but there was still a couple other corners that have come out and, and played pretty well um, in the league that were still on the board when Howie made that McPherson pick, which, you know what, I've long since complained about that. Just like with Jalen Rager, we wouldn't have what we had today if they would have made a home run pick on a cornerback back then, we probably wouldn't have Slay or we definitely wouldn't have went and got uh, JB last year. So I'm going to let it ride with how it went. Uh, but, yes, I'm very high on that Rick's kid. I think he has the potential to be this year's Josh Joby, um, but I also think he has the potential to be better um, than last year's Josh Joby. But if you remember, Joby was a player we were pretty high on last year, played pretty well on special teams, think he got in a little bit on spot duty and, you know, didn't necessarily get us killed. But um, when you think back on it, special teams last year, uh, I mean, let's be real. It's one of the reasons we are not talking about being defending Super Bowl champions right now um, is because of our special teams last year. So all around, I think we've added players. Golly, that just that's one of the, the best top to bottom quarterback rooms that I think we've ever had. Now, you could say. You know, Sheldon Brown, uh, Troy Vincent. Then we brought in Lito Shepard. They were top uh, heavy. Yeah, I, I mean, they were top heavy, but top to bottom, like just like I was saying about our running backs, top to bottom, it's probably the most depth and, and big. Like, I don't know how we're going to come out of camp with all these guys. I mean, you don't – you very rarely see a team keep four running backs. That's more of an emergency situation. Or if you're not that – you know, content with your running back room. Well, it's going to be hard for us not to keep four. Who are we not going to keep? Is Penny not going to make it? Are we going to cut Swift? I don't see that happening, you know, and we know that obviously they're not going to get rid of Kenny. And I would, the city of Philadelphia would halfway ride if they cut Boston, you know, those four running backs. Those four running backs. So we're going with four running backs. You yeah. know, we're so we're going. I mean, Trey Sermon is there's one more that I'm forgetting. He's, he's but you're gonna have to step up or spend another year on the practice squad. Yeah. Uh, Trey Sermon, we kept on the active roster last year. He just never played. So I know that they see something there in him too. And then just like the same thing with our cornerback room. I mean, 
the last I can't think of the last time we kept six. You normally keep five. If you keep six, it's because you're not confident that confident in your top three to either A stay healthy or B get the job done. Um, so I mean, if you go, let's say, I mean, we can extend it to six. You've got obviously Slay, JB, and Maddox are not going anywhere. You would hardly think that unless he comes in and just has work ethic issues and character issues out the wazoo, you're not going to get rid of Ringo. Ricks is a potential to get cut because he's a UDFA. Uh, but me and you, you know, I'm so high on the kid. I think he could make it. So what are we at now? That's five, right? Yeah. Uh, one, two, three, four. So there's five if you keep Ricks. Now those last four that we mentioned are potentially fighting for you still. And I haven't even mentioned Greedy Williams yet. You probably don't make a signing like that unless he's going to make your roster. So there's your absolute six, dude. Now, what are the other three dudes doing fighting for the practice squad? You know, is somebody moving to safety? And we just are being really coy about it right now because they know that they don't like to tip their hand at things like that. You know, I think, you know, there's a couple candidates we have. I know they moved Josh Job to some safety last year and let him play a little bit when, um, um, CJ went down, but I mean, he obviously didn't get much cut in the game as a safety. I know that they used him as one in practice and things like that. So, I mean, does he transition this year into a safety role because it's somewhere where, I mean, that's the only position on the team right now where I think where you run out next year in training camp or later this year in training camp and put the piece of meat out there and tell the dogs to come get it. I mean, I think everywhere else we've pretty much got our starters name. You know, besides safety. I mean, guys. You know, and right guard. Safety and right guard are the two positions we're going to roll out in camp and say, okay, who wants it? Yeah. And, like, the extra bodies, we still have a special team. So, either you work in your behind off at, of course, your true position that you want to play. Or right. make yourself a great availability. Because, I mean, special, good special teams players are hard to find. And, do they really get the recognition they need? No, but I mean, you can make big plays and survive as a great special teamers. There's been players to right. So there's more than one way to success. Um, the cornerback room, I think, is just going to be the top six: Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, Ringo, Ricks, Greedy. The other ones are going to be fighting for an possible roster spot, or of course, um, practice squad. Uh, running we'll back. have to save the episode for camp, but we'll have to do a 53-man prediction because, yeah, I mean, and honestly, I'm having fun right now over here in my head being like, damn. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about most of the positions. I mean, you normally only carry five defensive tackles. Well, we, you know, five is a stretch, and we have, like, what, six, seven that we've named that could potentially make our roster. You know, uh, defensive ends, not as deep. What, you go – Tight end's pretty solidified. Wide receiver room's pretty good. I don't think they're going to add to it. I think they stuck to their guns saying that they they think Quez will have a better year this year. Um, wide receiver running back room is we added Alameda too. Don't forget about that. That's a that's a sign. shoot. I do. Yeah, I did forget. He's a so he's another one that like you know wide receiver room's pretty set. You normally carry only about five or six of those. Yeah, and, I, I mean, think about it. We've got at least three that we know of, and then you know they like uh, Covey. So will he be a cap? Or will he be a camp casualty this year? You know, 
and they always bring in, I mean, obviously, guys, what, you get 75 or something, 79 or something crazy in the preseason. So we're obviously going to bring other guys in for camp bodies. But, like, and then you always, I mean, it seems like every year with the Eagles team, you have that guy that was brought in as a camp body that seems to shock everybody and make the team over players that, you know, thought were going to be established. So that that's going to be probably, I don't think I've been looking forward to an Eagles training camp this much um in a long time um you know gosh i know we were amped up this year looking forward to training camp looking forward to answering all the questions that we had but this year it's just such a there's so many expectations that i hope we don't crumble under them but camp is going to be one of the funnest camps in years i mean there's so there's so many spots for how many good players do we have on the team you know, there's going to be guys that get cut off our team that go get big roles on another team because, shit, we just don't have room for them. Yes, sir. And to go into, like, the undrafted free agents we went to, just run through them. Um, Joseph Nott, a receiver from Clemson. Big guy, 6'3", 217 pounds. Underwhelming production at Clemson. His best season came in 2022 when he had 41 catches for 526 yards and two touchdowns. We got Ty Zetner, uh kicker. Actually, he doubles as a punter as well from Kansas State. Um, we got Sipos. Um, so competition right there. He was uh, a semifinalist for the Kicker Award, the Ray Guy Award in 2022. Average for 44.5 yards per punt, punting 27 inside the 20. So definitely like to pin deep, uh, offenses back. We got Trevor Reed, offensive lineman from Louisville, um, 6'4", 311 pounds. Started two seasons of left, uh, left tackle at Louisville. He's a really athletic. Scotland project. Yes, sir. That 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 is uh, – that's one of those you hear about it, like you mentioned earlier in the show, where Stoutland's like, look at this guy. That was a, definitely a Stoutland was a look at this guy type thing. He's raw. He's a big dude. He's got good mobility. He did very well in the two seasons he played at Louisville. He just hasn't played football for very long. Yes, sir. Uh, next body we got was Makai Gardner, cornerback from LSU, 6'2", 212. A big physical corner who started one year at LSU after transferring from Louisiana. He had 43 tackles and eight breakups last season. So, you know, camp body possibly. Eli mm-hmm. Ricks, again, I'm high on, uh, cornerback from Alabama. Got a good undrafted free agent from Alabama last year in Josh Job, and we're trying again. Ricks began his career at LSU and played just one season at Bama, 6'2", 188-pound. Corner had four interceptions as a freshman in 2020, so a lot to be desired from him. He's definitely fits the mode of cornerbacks that I'm pretty sure uh, decide wants. And he's my pick to to make the roster out of camp this year. There, like I said, it always seems there's one UDFA um, or player that we sign later on in the process that ends up making our roster that wasn't expected to, just much like Josh Job was last year. Um, either is going to take Josh Job's spot, uh, but I think that's a big push right there. You know, I, I could see that kid making the roster. I'm pretty high on the film that I saw on him, um, and just his attitude and character of that kid. Man, he's He's somebody. He's if he's not, he ends up good with us. He's going to end up somewhere else. And if he don't end up with us, it's just because if we spoke of that cornerback room is crazy. Yeah, man. Next on the list, we got uh, Jadon Hasselwood, receiver, Arkansas, six two, two hundred fifteen pound wideout. 
Um, he'll be reunited with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Hassel would play at Oklahoma for three seasons before finishing off his college career at Arkansas. With Hurts in 2019, Hasselwood had 19 catches for 272 yards and a touchdown. So obviously a Hurts connection, maybe he put something in. It was like, hey, man, he's worth it. Let's bring him in and see what mm-hmm. he can do. I'm pretty sure yeah. Hurts has some say-so in that oh, organization. Absolutely. Right did you did you see when we – like, I don't know how – I didn't see anybody mention it. I thought it was a lot bigger of a deal than it was. Did you see who was sitting in our draft room when we drafted Jalen Carter? No. Jordan Davis was in there. In the draft room? Jordan, like, in the draft room, when they announced the pick and we were all shaking hands and high five, Jordan Davis was walking in there and high-fiving and stuff with them. Unless they got some other huge guy that's, you know, that towers over everybody when he walks into the room, you know, and I figure that's <laughs> probably most defensive linemen. But, I mean, he had the, the little twisties like Jordan does and everything. Um, so, you know, man <laughs> – I I I love that this organization is so in tune with their players. You know, and like I said earlier about a Patriots model. Well, that Patriots model, they, I don't think they talk to their players for much. You know, now granted, you'd have to get to the Tom Brady's and the um, the hierarchy of those teams, the Wes Welkers and the Julian Edelman's, and you'd have to talk to them to listen. But most of them will tell you. You know, that like, no, it was a very like do your job organization. The players were there to do their job. You know, the organization and the figureheads in the organization were there to do their jobs. There wasn't a whole lot of camaraderie and things. I mean, hell, look at how Brady and them ended it. You know, that was a, that was one that, you know, you can't let that happen as a Patriots. That was a fail as an organization. You can't let the best quarterback ever to play the game or arguably the best quarterback ever to play the game to leave your franchise, even if it's for a year or two, there's obviously something that was brewing there, whether it was how Bill Belichick runs it and, or how, you know, Robert Kraft runs it. And of course they'll all kiss and make up and say they love each other now, but there was obvious animosity that the whole NFL felt when Tom Brady left that year. So kudos to the Eagles. Yeah. I felt Tom Brady wanted to move. I would just want to move just simply because of where new England is like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but as an organization, like historically, think about that. Now, I, you know, yes, it, it's changed as far as free agency and things like that have gone. And I guess you can even argue Joe Montana ended up going to the Chiefs. So I guess maybe I'm really yeah. out of bounds on this one. But I just feel like like you don't let that happen. Like when you've got the best player ever, it's almost a shot to your organization if you let them walk out of the door for whatever the reason may be. Now, if there's just technically like he just wanted to play in warmer weather and that's why he wanted to go to Tampa and then potentially Miami or whatever all that was, I mean, cool, I get it or whatever. But, man, you, you've got to try to move heaven and earth to keep Tom Brady on your roster, even if it's for another year or two before he hangs him up. So, But you're right. He was probably tired of the cold, tired of getting his, get hit in that cold weather. It does something different to your bones. So I might be out of bounds there, but. Like I, the point I was trying to make is I just love how in tune the organization, even from an owner and general manager standpoint, seem to be with these players. That um, I'm sure it is when it comes time to cut players and let players go and this and that. It becomes very difficult. Um, and not to speak too much on it, but the rumor I heard about CJ is it was true that he did come back with the Lions offer and tried to get us to match it. And we told him we weren't interested. 
And apparently, from the rumor I've heard, it's how he reacted to our initial contract that we offered him. Um, and I think when you did see his disrespect comment or whatever he made on social media, I guess that was aimed at us. And I, from what I hear about the team we're trying to build, we don't need guys like that on our team. CJ was there. You still cannot. You still cannot convince me um, that he wasn't just immaculate for us. But you know, hey, like I said, they got a character up uh, standard that they want to uphold too. And for whatever reason, during negotiations, they felt like CJ was not that guy. So they pivoted and they moved forward. Yes, sir. Last guy we got undrafted free agent, I'm incredibly high on. Um, ben Van Summeren, linebacker out of Michigan State. Van Summeren began his college career at Michigan as an offensive player, but flipped to defense, uh, flipped to defense and eventually became a starter for the Spartans. In 2022, he had 81 tackles and three tackles for a loss. He's extremely athletic and has a cr- and has crazy testing numbers. Now I was looking at the RAS, which is the relative athletic scoring thing that analytics obsessed NFL is. Linebacker, 40 yard dash, he ran a four five four. Uh four four five. Twenty yards split wow. two five three. Ten yard split, one five two. He tested elite. Vertical, forty two and a half inches. Uh, for, yeah, 42 and a half inches. Broad jump, 1,011. So he's athletic freak. He benched 29 times. So, yeah. Wow. I've seen this guy play. Um, I'm, I'm thinking he's definitely going to be on the roster. Um, even if he's not on the depth chart as a linebacker, I couldn't imagine him running down a field as a special teamer. <laughs> Yeah, so undrafted free agents. Um, again, Van Summeren, which is crazy. In his rest, he scored a 9.65 out of a possible 10. Wow. Between 1987 to 2023, this ranked 93 out of 2,652 linebackers. Good. So elite prospect. Let's hope it translates. I love to see more from him. Um, yeah. Howie's brought in some hometown kids, DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia, Hassan Reddick, Philadelphia area as well. I love the chemistry, people coming back home, um, people being drafted to people they're familiar with. Sets up for great success, man. Uh, we're gonna take another quick break here and we're gonna talk about, you know, some potential things we might foresee before the season starts. Do we still got a little bit, a couple more moves in us? Are we set? And maybe some bold predictions. We're going to take a quick break. Infinity Link, all Philadelphia Eagles-related podcasts. Be right back at you. Yes, sir. Keep Stay, stay tuned in. Infinity Link, everything Philadelphia Eagles-related podcast. Got my boy Drew with me. Uh, we're going to jump right back into it. So we went over the draft. We went over the trades and all that crazy stuff, the undrafted free agents. What we think about a certain couple of key departments as far as cuts and who's going to be there. Um, What's next? I mean, do we have a hunch on anyone else that would be at it? I'm looking over at the 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, I see names, but they're names that are old, have been with us before. I mean, now, of course, we love the, the Prove It deals, you know, um, but just the top 10 available free agents right now um, are Leonard, Leonard Floyd, Edge from the Rams. Jadavian Clowney is a uh, Edge that is available. We're very familiar with him. Donovan Smith, uh, offensive tackle. Frank Clark is still a free agent. He's an edge from KC. I could see us doing something like that. I could no, see a Frank Clark Frank, type Frank, move. He likes to jump off sides in the playoffs. Shit, then we, then we already got Derek <laughs> Barnett, so we don't need him. Um, <laughs> uh, Isaiah Wynn, offensive tackle from New England. Uh, Shaquille Griffin is the cornerback from Seattle that's left. Marcus Peters is also out there. He's kind of over the hill. He's another one that, you know, when things are going great, he seems to be a good guy. But anytime uh, shit goes sour in your locker room, he seems to be at the brunt of it. Um, Cameron Fleming, offensive tackle from Denver. He's 30 as well. Uh, Rocky Asin, uh is probably the youngest free agent left on here besides Isaiah Wynn uh, and Shaquille Griffin. He is 27, and then our old friend Ronald Darby is the 10th-rated best player at cornerback uh, from Denver. He is 29 years old. Another one I can see us adding, um, potentially, A, based on his relationship with um, Sirianni um, and the fact that we went after him before. Yannick Nkogi, um is out there. He's the 12th-rated from Indianapolis. He's only 28. Puna Ford uh, is another one I could see us possibly doing. Um, he has familiarity with the side. Of course, he was there last year um, with him. He's 27. He's another one of the younger ones left. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Gosh, I didn't realize he's only 28. Um, he is obviously still available. Don't see that happening. Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette are also the next two best available um, I see a guard, Dalton Renzer. But, yeah, as you guys are kind of getting um, the gist of, there's not um, a whole lot left out there. Um, John Johnson, the safety out of Cleveland, he's only 27. I could see maybe if we still were not too happy about our safety position, Adrian Amos is still mm. out there. He's kind of over the hill. I don't think Yo. he's big enough. There's players available that's not available. So, mm. There's players mm. that didn't have their fifth-year options picked up and players that are just simply, you know, not happy. Some players that I had highlighted, uh, Isaiah Simmons with the Cardinals. Yes. He's possibly out there, got one year left on his deal. Buda Baker obviously isn't happy there. Patrick Queen with the Ravens who won their most improved player last year award, didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. They got Roquan um, Smith, who they gave the $100 million contract to in the middle of the season, which I don't think is a good idea just for chemistry issues. One guy's, you know, waiting on a rookie contract, waiting for his fifth-year option to get picked up. Somebody just traded for immediately gets a contract. And then you follow that up by drafting a linebacker kind of early and then not picking up his fifth-year option. Writing's on the wall. So I think he's available. Um, there's some other surprises whose fifth-year options didn't get picked up. Chase Young with the com uh, Commanders. I right. I'm on our defensive line. 
Right. Oh, my gosh. With the depth. I mean, he hasn't really played football in a couple of years, but golly, you can imagine a talent like that on our offense or our defensive line. Good Lord. Yes, sir. Uh, CJ Henderson, quarterback with the cornerback with the Carolina Panthers. His fifth year option didn't get picked up. Makai Becton, which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. Oh, absolutely. His fifth year option to get picked up. I mean, Stalin, wow. you, you know. If you can't be a good replacement, we can for, find grants uh, and assistance for you. <laughs> right, right. Hey, that could be a good contingency plan for Lane once he's done. Obviously, he's not going to sit for a year or two, and I don't. I think Lane's got a good two, three years left in him. So, but yeah, man. I mean, I think you nailed it. See, our more likely move is probably going to be one of those players. Uh, like I said, I could see maybe a couple of these guys, Nakoge. Um, potentially, God, I mean, Ionitis, but he's over the hill. I mean, you just, I mean, you're literally, you've got names there, the the people that, you know, people know because they obviously have had success in this league. But, you know, there's obviously a reason that we're sitting this point in free agency and they're still there, um, whether it's the contract that they're asking for or wanting to get. Um, or the fact that they're not worth the, you know, trouble anymore. So, if I had to, if I had to do it, if I was Howie, I mean, obviously, um, Buda Baker would be option one um, for me. I think Simmons could obviously be number two. Um, but I think at this point, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of picks next year um, still. And for the next two years, uh, we still have a decent amount that we could leverage. But I feel like if Buda was going to happen, um, it would have been more of a draft day thing because of how big his name is. But as we mentioned, what um, when did we get CJ last year? I mean, camp was already open. We were a couple weeks into camp, I believe, when we finally got CJ on our team last year. So uh, maybe I'm mistaken about that, but I'm pretty sure we were a week or two into camp when we got that trade completed. So you never know. Don't ever count how you out. Yes, sir. Couple more names I seen. Notice that didn't get picked up. One of these are going to be hilarious. Um, Javon Kinlaw with the 49ers, his option didn't get picked up. Defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Murray, linebacker with the Los Angeles Chargers, running back, uh, not running back, linebacker. Don't know if it's just not working out. Defense is not putting him in a position to win, but he's definitely a former first-round pick. Right. Position of maybe not need, but want. Um, And uh, Philadelphia fan favorite, Jalen Rager's fifth-year option was not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I mean, we need some more help on special teams. So if he wants to come run down a couple, if he wants to come play gunner, I, I I like his speed. I'd be okay with it, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> like you said, one of them was funny. That was definitely the funny one there. Um, you know, I, they're not very high, obviously, on him in Minnesota with them drafting Addison this year, uh, um, letting Thielen go. I mean, he'll get his chance. You know, it's it's uh, Addison Jefferson and KJ Osborne up here right now, um, so he'll get his chance to be that fourth receiver again, but. I mean, I think the ship has sailed on him, whether it's, you know, obviously he was a big speed person and he still has and harnesses that speed. It, I, I will just never forget um, the Giants game that 
<laughs> Ball just, I mean, we had a touchdown. Jalen put it in his bread basket. It was one of Jalen Hurts' best throws from his first full season as starter. Uh, one of the best throws he's made and hit him right in the bread basket. I mean, he could have walked into the end zone. I will, that will always, in my mind, whenever I hear Jalen Rager, that is the nightmare I will always see. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, let me ask you real quick about um, what's his first name? I can't remember his first name. Dean, the linebacker out of Tampa. Is that, do you think that's still an option for us, or you think that ship has sailed as well? Do you mean Devin White? Thank you. Yes, Devin White. I, I don't know why I kept saying Dean. Nah, I think. Plus, he wants a new contract. I just don't think that's what we're going for right now. Right. Well, but see, the same with Buddha. Like, Buddha wants a new deal. Yeah, he, and... he plays safety, though, so that's a different story. More, that's more affordable. You're <laughs> right. You're right. But see, I mean, like, I feel like even the linebackers aren't – like, I don't know what the deal is now in the NFL, but these contracts, you know, we're in the NBA. They're outrageous now and bigger contracts than we've ever seen. I feel like some of these contracts that aren't for quarterbacks that we're seeing are like they're kind of they're not what we're used to, especially for these bigger players. Yeah. Uh, quick question from the draft, drafts only. Who? What is the player you're most excited about? Oh, man, I alluded a little bit to it earlier. I mean, obviously, it's hard not to be excited about. Um, Jalen and Nolan, um, those are the obvious answers. I'm really excited about Ringo. Um, he was somebody who, at the beginning of last offseason, I was figuring to be a top 15 pick, um, a corner that was going to have longevity in this league. Uh, I mean, he, in my opinion, is a really, really good cornerback um, and maybe got overshadowed a lot, like as I mentioned, by that defense. But I think as far as the, the draft picks that we made that I'm most excited to see that, you know, maybe not everybody else would be, would be would be Ringo for sure. Okay. I like the direction you went. Who you got? Mine's a Sydney Brown. Yeah, okay. I've been hoping and wishing, you know, a good safety prospect, and I was high on him. Um, I've seen a mock tire. And yeah, I mean, I think he just embodies Philadelphia from safety really slipped in this draft. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there. I mean, Branch was predicted to be a round one pick. He obviously went in the second round a little bit later than some people expected. Um, you know, but I, I've heard the knock on him is athleticism. You know, he's not as athletic as what you want to see out of a safety, and that can hurt him in the NFL, where I mean, everybody's an athlete. You know, so I, like I mentioned with, with Brown, I wanted the other Brown out of Penn State um, just because I liked his ball skills and his ball hawkness. But like I said, man, you sold me that video you sent me on him um, where you could see the versatility in his game. And just what I what stood out to me um, the most, which reminded me, obviously, of our former safety from last year the speed that he gets into that backfield with and is, you know, and obviously I know it's going to be a level up when he gets into the NFL and the guys, are, the linemen are going to be a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and a little bit faster. 
but just, I mean, there was like two or three plays on that film you sent me that stuck out where, I mean, the quarterback had barely, after taking the snap, had turned to hand the ball to his running back, and he was sticking him, you know, and that that's something you cannot teach. Speed is one of those intangibles that no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you program for it, you cannot teach somebody how to be fast. You either are or you're not. Yes, sir. And yeah, so Sydney Browns, who I'm high on, um, it's kind of crazy how good we like really drafted, like completely top to bottom this year. Mm-hmm. I was looking at some things, and like I'm pretty sure the league is kind of upset, but oh yeah, every single player um, that was on most draft boards, the top 200 prospects in this class. We drafted seven players in the top 200 uh, prospects. Shoo. What? And think about that. That's the top 200. The top 200 picks are over with by what? Third, fourth round, maybe? <laughs> you know? Come on. <laughs> of course that shouldn't happen. But it gets even more crazy from that. If you compare the Eagles class against the board, the team's average pick was 75. Not only did we get seven of the best 200 players, but they all actually fell inside the top 75. And that's, I mean, dude, when we saw him move up uh, into the third round, that was, I mean, we knew it. But like you, I think you had even texted me. It's like, he's got something up his sleeve. He's got something going on with these picks. And, you know, I won't, I won't lie, the Steinman surprised me. He'll be another one that, you know, I don't think you'll see anything from him in the next year or two. But who knows, guys? I mean, we have that right tackle or right guard position that when we open camp, there is a projected starter. But uh, do they have the position locked down? No. You know, there's the rest of the line does. You know, you know, left tackle is obviously going to be Jordan. Left guard is going to be Dickerson. Kelsey will be at center. And at right tackle, you'll have Lane, health providing. But, man, you know, like, <laughs> it's always a good problem to have is depth. And and like you said, Stoutland's the one that will be very involved in the draft process and the players that he gets that come into him. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see what he can be. He's a big dude. That dude is a load. And like you said, he allowed, what, two sacks on over 400-plus pass block. I mean, come on, man. Jalen can definitely benefit from something like that. For sure, for sure. So you're most excited about Ringo. I'm most excited yeah. about Brown. Um, as far as as far as players that are out there, primarily on other teams, um, would you list Buda Baker as your number one, Simmons as your number two? I'd say I'd say Buddha's number one. See, the the only problem is I think Simmons needs to get paid too, doesn't he? Yeah. So, like, all these guys are coming with a, a pretty steep price tag that, you know, right now. This is, where the, Howie, guys, this is where the Howie thing comes to play. Patrick, right. and I mean. Patrick McQueen, yep. his fifth year was declined. So, if you trade for him, let's say we give up. Um, I heard a prediction of giving up a second-round future pick. Um and we getting back a fourth round with McQueen. One, he's on the last year of his contract, so if something fails, we'll get a comp pick from him. Um, right. 
Two, he's not going to cost a lot this year. So kind of oh. win-win. He's not going to cost a lot this year. Um, linebacker position to need. He just won most improved player for the Ravens. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's win-win. If he doesn't perform well, I mean, it costs you a second-round pick. Um, but you're getting a fourth back in the trade potentially, and you're potentially getting a comp pick from him. So if he does ball out, re-sign him. That's even better win. Like, we got what we really want. Look at you just talk me into he's okay. So Patrick <laughs> Queen would be number two um, ahead of Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah is a great player, a, a generational talent, but you've heard the knocks on his game. Yeah. Um, and you know what? All I care about any of these dudes that they bring in are are they a me guy or are they a we guy? If they're a me guy, man, they can stay where they're at or they can go to another franchise. Um, if I, I mean, I'm okay if they do it again. They bring in safety, a linebacker, whatever, on the last year of their deal or with the decline fifth-year option, and we lose them next year to free agency because they ball out, our defense is great again, and they command better money than what CJ got. You know, um, I'm okay with that. I mean, as long as we're not using high-end picks to mortgage our future because – it seems like Howie's draft blunders are now a thing of the past. How funny quick year and how quick two years can turn that around. But I can't really like historically give him that much flack. We have a starting left tackle that was drafted in the seventh round. I mean, now granted the first round left tackle that we drafted that year just left us to go play for Tennessee, but he wasn't much to write home about, you know? And so are they me guys or are they we guys? And what's their MO on coming into Philly for the year? Why like a guy like Buda Baker? Buda Baker seems to have already bought in. Now maybe he's just sweet talking the media to try to get here or whatever. Um, but you know, the things that you've heard him say about Jalen, about Nick, about our organization, you know, it seems like they those guys wanting to come here. Um, so then you'll get the guys that, hey, they'll be willing to take a little bit less money to play for us too. So, because they yeah. A, want to win and B, want to be a part of this franchise. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll slide with Buddha one, Patrick two. Um, I'm going to throw a little wrench in here for you. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Devin White number three, and then I'll go Simmons four. Um, but as far as if it, we had to do it off the free agent market, I think Yannick would be a good one. Puna Ford would be another good one because, of course, the familiarity. Um, and then I see none of the other names really pop out at me. Frank Clark would be fun to see, like just because he could get a chance to switch teams and win another title. Um, you've and seen Puna that Ford is off the board. Is Puna gone? Yeah, uh, he signed uh Back with Seattle, I'm assuming. Uh, agrees to one year Bills contract. He's with the Bills. This is supposed to see. Well, they're lying to me because this is supposed to be updated as of today. It's um, like two years, two ah, uh, two hours ago. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, I got you. All right, because I was about to be like, "What, man?" Like, because <laughs> I yeah, I just looked the list up for it, but okay, so Puna's off the board, so let's take him out. I mean, then really, as far as free agents go, I mean, Yannick, just because of the familiarity and because it's another pass rusher. Um, and I mean, God, think about adding him to the to the defensive end room that we already have. 
Um, couldn't be anything but great benefits from there. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, like to be honest, I'm kind of excited to see what we roll out with right now. And I wonder if the organization feels the same way. We've got, as I mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of guys in positions where they're going to get a chance to play and it's either their prove it year for the NFL and staying in the league, or it's their prove it year for a big contract. Um, so they're motivated either way. They're going to want to do good. They're going to want to keep their head down. Players in the last year of their contract are not normally making riffs with the coaching staff in the front office or giving anybody anything bad to say about them as they move in to try to get their money. Um, so, you know, man, I, I'm, I, I'll put it on paper right now. I'm okay if we don't do anything else. I know that's a long shot and we probably will do something else. But I'm kind of excited to see what Trey Edmonds can do at safety. Um, he's a prove-it player that I got my eye on right now. He's played well in spots. He's not a scrub. Um, and the other one is the Bears linebacker that we drafted who seems to be started to – or poised to start alongside um, N'Kobe. Murrow. And I can't remember his – what's his name? Murrow. Okay, Murrow. yeah. Yeah, so – I'm excited for him as well to see him get a little run with us. Um, he's another player that I feel like it's a prove it for the NFL year for him. He's young, um, but as you've seen, like these players that bounce around teams, you only bounce around a couple of times, especially as a young player before. That's probably about it for you. Um, so I think there's a lot of motivation on this defense. I think with the way they've been talked about this offseason, the hierarchy of this defense is going to have a, something to prove. Um, so, you know, like I said, it could fall flat on its face. I don't see that happening. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what at this team, as it sits right now, I'm excited to see what they can do. Definitely agree with you. Um, my picks, I would put, Patrick Queen first, just because he doesn't, he, He's not going to cost that much on a cap. We're going to have to give up some draft capital, but he's not going to cost a lot of money. I like uh, that. Buda Baker, of course, safety. But I also don't predict our defense DBs really having to guard that long. Um, so I feel like we can survive with what we have, and I'm really high on Sidney Brown, and I want to see him give him a full shot. Um, yeah. Chase Young. With his fifth-year option being declined, and of course we love to build upon the D-line, I say trade for him and re-sign him. Go ahead and give him the contract. Like we, He got the intangibles. He just got to stay healthy. And that's a guy you have to double as well. So adding him to the defensive line and just giving full trust that he'll stay healthy, man, our defensive line would be the best defensive line probably ever formed. Once they you think we, man, that defensive line can have a potential to pass last year's sack total. <laughs> and I mean, that year's last year's sack total is already like one of the tops ever to play the game of football. But I mean, you add a Chase Young to that, a healthy Chase Young that doesn't have to play every down, that can come in on, you know, second and long, third and, and third down and rush the passer. Jeez. Yeah, alongside Josh Sweat, alongside Brandon Graham, you can rotate the defensive tackles any way you want. I mean, good lord. 
huge thing. I don't know if the commanders is going to let him play out. Um, but if they don't do anything and he doesn't resign or if they don't franchise him, um, yeah, they're not going to get anything back from him. No. Or, but yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Um, this year, rumor we're supposed to play the Giants on what is it, Black Friday on Amazon Prime? Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. That's news to me. That'd be a nice one. Um, I can't wait for the Eagles to finally reveal our, you know, Kelly Green uniforms. I haven't seen any. Right. That's exciting things to come. <laughs> I, I'm real interested. Everybody's got their opinion, and I think everybody automatically assumes they're going to go back to the older style of the Kelly Green uniform. I just, I, I know they're they're really good about paying tribute to it, so there will be some familiarity to it. But with the new logo, I think that's what the new logo was for. Um, was for partially for this move to Kelly Green. So I'm excited to see what they do with it, man. Uh, and the uniform combinations that we have coming out this year. For sure. And uh, Smitty, you got a challenger that got drafted this year. First round pick. <laughs> um, Emmanuel Forbes Jr. was asked for the one NFL receiver. He can't wait to go up against. And Smitty, his answer was you. He said, freshman year, you put up 250 and about three, four touchdowns on him. So he can't wait to see you. Um, I hope he gets to line up against you. You're a route technician. I know you're going to do your thing. You don't really talk, but he seems like one of them people, you know, you get to talk for him. You're going to be like, all right, lace your cleats up. We about to have right. a play. Oh, oh, you <laughs> see one of them guys. Slay. I mean, the confidence definitely isn't something that Smitty lacks. Uh, he's definitely not going to shy away for or run from that challenge. If you want my honest opinion, I think he did what I did when you mentioned it. He probably laughed pretty hard. Um, it was like, okay, you know, uh, we'll see them this year. So uh, twice. So strap your cleats up, buddy. Hope you're ready to eat those words. <laughs> yes, sir. And let's talk about, like, continuing, like, with free agency. And, of course, and, like, we lost a lot of players. We had 10 players go elsewhere. We had Javon Hargrave leave. We got Jalen Carter as a backup for that. Uh, Andre Diller went and signed somewhere else. We just drafted Tyler Steen. Right. Uh, Samari Lalu, Sumalu left, and we got Cam Jurgens. Um, mm-hmm. CJ GJ left, and hopefully we got Sidney Brown. TJ Edwards left. We got Nicobe Dean waiting in the rafters. Yep. Booby left. We got Swift, and we added Penny to this running back room, and it cost yeah. me. Uh, Epps, we got Edmonds as a replacement. Uh, Kaiser White, we got Morrow as a replacement. Minshew, we now have Mariota. Pascal left, we got uh, Zacchaeus. So those players left accumulated for $218.4 million. The players they were replaced with that I just named account for only $55.4 million. Jeez. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Golly, you know, and think about it. I mean, we mentioned it on another show, but Javon Hargrave was not the big name, big money contract guy that he is now when he was brought to Philadelphia. I'm not saying we completely made him. He was somewhat successful in Pittsburgh beforehand, but he really made a name for himself this past couple of years on the Eagles defense. And I'll be interested to see he doesn't have a Fletcher Cox who – 
I mean, if you watch a lot of the film from the last couple of years, Fletcher's the one that seems to be double teamed the most on our defense. He's the one that seems to get the most respect. I'm sure that'll change going into next year with it being a lot more towards Hassan and our edge rushers. Um, but, you know, Fletcher's always commanded that double team. So Javon got a lot of one-on-one opportunities that I don't think he's going to get in San Fran next year. He's going to be um, a guy that gets keyed in on a lot. Of course, I know they have Bosa um, and they have a, a tremendous line to begin with. But as far as defensive tackles goes, I mean, they had Kinlaw, who we pushed all over Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, for 60 minutes, you know, so I, I just, I don't think you'll see the same production out of him up there. So I feel like great for him. Glad he got the money. Um, that's going to be more the 49ers lost than ours. If you ask me. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see what Nolan Ryan's going. Uh, Nolan Smith is going to do. Um, Nolan Ryan Smith. We got a new name for him now. <laughs> Cause he's fast as hell. <laughs> Yeah, people complain about like his size and stuff like that, but I've seen a lot of him playing. Of course, he played on a lot of national TV, but I instincts, mean, man. Yeah, can't teach him. Not at all. He's got ball skills. He can get to the quarterback. I mean, he is. The more I've watched his film, uh, a versatile piece. And I think even when Gannon was here, that was something that we really loved to see. As far as that goes, you know, you like a guy that you don't have to necessarily play at one position the whole time. You can get put his hand in the dirt and let him line up and rest the quarterback. You can drop him back into coverage. I mean, it Hassan's a lot of the same way. And as you've mentioned, what greater person to learn from than somebody whose role he's going to end up adapting to as Hassan, you know, gets older and greater. Yeah, man. Wonderful thing, Nolan Smith. Um, I think he wanted to come to Philadelphia all along. When he got drafted, on the green socks. Yeah, he had on the green socks, man. N'Kobe Dean was there with him and his family, man, and just a smile on his face. You can just see how excited. Not only was he to be drafted, but where he was drafted to. Yeah. And same with Jalen. I mean, you know what, man? A lot of people are going to think what they think about how he reacted. That just told me that there's a monster inside that kid. You know, when you're proudest moment of your life and you're just overcome with emotion and just can't hold hold your emotions back, like, that's a – I really feel like that's going to be something that we look back on and be like, man, they messed up. The NFL messed up. He should have probably been the number one overall pick besides you had quarterback needy teams there. Uh, but if Chicago had stayed there, you know, goodness. Yes, sir. And again, alluding to another player I'm excited about, Cindy Brown. I actually just sent you a clip of something, Drew. I'm looking at it right now. I love Thomas R. Peterson. If you ever catch the show, man, we're big fans. Yes, sir. Uh, this is what made Howie feel comfortable with it. In the senior bowl, he wanted to see how he covered it like one-on-one. And safe to say, he did good. Uh, mirror technique was good. Fluid movement, changes directions on a stop, and definitely has the speed to keep up downfield. So he showed that he's just not a box safety, pretty much. And, of course, now he's with us. Um, a lot to look forward to. We have to temper expectations, as I alluded to earlier. 
Um, hard to get to the Super Bowl, nonetheless. Very hard to get back. We certainly have the team to do so. Um, Jalen Hurts, this running back room, the receiver room, uh, defense, defensive line, defense, the DBs. They shouldn't have to worry about co- uh, covering too long. Um, maybe sure up uh, special teams a little bit because that did cost us in the Super Bowl on a return. And of course, we've had some, I would say, some punting woes, but is what it is. Every team has to have a weakness, and we just got to make sure going into training camp that we're correcting that and being the best team that we can. I'm very excited for this team. Um, our schedule is looks very daunting, and we're going to have to go out there and compete every week. Um, you know, this is what everything is built for, the draft, offseason, building those draft boards and everything, getting the players you want. We've executed perfectly among the best in the NFL as far as acquisitions have come and adding to a team that was in the Super Bowl and maybe a player or two away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, we have some things to be very excited about. Jalen Hurts got his money. Um, he's focused on championships. And I just can't wait to see what we do with these new additions. Um, a lot to look Man. forward to. It's sunny in Philadelphia. Always. <laughs> Man, you got anything you want to add before we get off here? Just... You nailed it, brother. I mean, I, I in my group chats and everything like that, they're telling me they're about to stop listening to me and everything because, I mean, man, I've just – I mean, almost – like you said, every pick felt like a, a great pick. I don't think we reached. I don't think we did what other teams did and maybe drafted a defensive tackle or anything like that a little bit higher than they would have gone normally um so i love the picks man i like i said i love the outlook on the squad this year if we add to it that's only golden i already feel like this defense could be a top five defense as it stands um anything else you add to it is just going to make us that more powerful um i really expect you know i know a lot of people have said that the offense is going to be the catalyst this year and they're going to have to outscore people and blah 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 but i think you're going to see i mean Guys, right now, honestly, I think we're a better team than we were last year at this time, um, yeah. on paper at least. Now, we'll see how that plays out on the field, but I'm really confident in saying that top to bottom, our team is better this year than it was last year, which is scary to say. Yes, sir. Did you want to add anything about Howie, man? Uh, I know we already had gave him his flowers, but, I mean, it's never too late to give the man some more. Man, I just – I mean, I got to keep saying it. I'm sorry, Howie. Like, I, I was – there was people signing petitions to get you out of there. Um, and I'm not, I didn't ever actually sign one, but I was promoting them. Um, I was at the end of the Doug Peterson era was ready to see you get run out of town um, and thought it was going to take one more bad season. Little did you show us um, that we actually knew what we were doing, you know, and, and who would have imagined um, back when we moved on from coach Peterson that we'd be sitting where we are right now talking about coming off of a Super Bowl. Yes, it hurts because we lost. Um, yes, I think with the kind of people we have at the core of the team, that's only going to be a bigger fuel to our fire. Um, I love Jalen's quote that he didn't come all the way through the fire just to smell the smoke. Um, so, you know, he's all in. I think that plays a lot into like we talked about earlier from an organization standpoint with how he's all in. I love hearing what Howie had to say today um, on WIP. You know, they, Howie's not worried about, you know, what 
Cardinals did or what Jonathan Gannon did or didn't do or whatever. He's worried about getting back to the Super Bowl. And what I love to hear how he said, I don't know if you caught this part of it. He said he was pissed off that he had to talk about it because he was pissed off that he had to go back and talk about the Super Bowl again. When your GM is pissed off after just making the Super Bowl and isn't resting on his laurels and riding on his coattails and telling the whole city of Philadelphia, F you, I got y'all back. You know, um, when he's sitting there saying that he's pissed off having to talk about the Super Bowl, come on, man. That just shows you from top to bottom. That's that's where we stand. We're not happy with last year. Last year isn't deemed a success for us, even though, like most fans would say, that was one of the funnest years we've had as Eagles fans. You know, but look at how they are. Ain't a, ain't a single one of them resting. They're all working. Um, you know, so it's an exciting time to be an Eagles fan. I know we keep saying that probably on every podcast, but I just can't say it enough. And, and how you're the architect, man. So you deserve every bit of credit that gets thrown around. There is not anything anybody can say about you in Philadelphia. And I tell you what, man, if you go out and get us one more, we'll build you a statue too. (laughs) Yeah, man, Howie did some crazy things in the draft. Uh, he flipped two seventh-round picks for a future fifth. It was just like, wow, <laughs> two seventh-round picks, and you get to move up two rounds in the future. I was like, I love it. Did you see where these other GMs have apparently, like, it's it's made, I've seen it on a couple different sites now, that the GMs in the NFL are getting, like, aggravated, irritated, and upset with how much praise he's getting. I mean, he's doing some great things, but – I tell you what, if I'm the GM of any of the other 31 NFL teams and I see a Philadelphia number call me, I'm not answering that shit. <laughs> not happening. Never know what kind of deal he's going to get you. Some work out better than others, of course. Right, right. But, I mean, think about it. With the moves he's made, what move has he made in the past, let's say since Peterson, since, since he let Peterson go so it can't be Jalen Rager or anything like that. What moves have he made since then that have really just made you shake your head and and be like, what are we doing? I don't think he's made one. I mean, he's learned. He's definitely learned a lot, had a lot of time for reflection. And um, his experience and him being an absolute fanatic and so obsessed with winning, um, I think that helps out a lot. Uh, Most GMs are just obsessed with making money and how the owner feels at the end of the year about their profit margin. So Lurie and Howie have a great connection. So that seems to work out. Dallas, um, get you a Howie. <laughs> no, please don't, because we actually enjoy the fact that you haven't won anything in almost three decades. Yes, sir. But we're going to sign out of here. Uh, Philadelphia, Infinity Link, everything Eagles-related podcast, Drew and Don, we signing out. Shout out to BTG, Nephew Q, Cowboy Q. Um, and all of our listeners, of course, we want to get some of y'all on here. But until next Appreciate time, y'all. yes, sir. Hit uh, us up. Hit us up. Let's go. Go birds. Appreciate y'all. And until the next episode, of course. <laughs>